Hello, I'm your host Jim McLean. Welcome to the latest edition of the Bandaflix Movie Review Podcast. So in this edition of the podcast, we're going to be talking about Solo, A Star Wars Story. Film has been out in UK cinemas now for well over a week, so I caught up with local filmmaker and huge Star Wars fan, Bill Taylor, to see what he thought of the film. I thought about you a lot. Of somewhere, some adventure. I, I imagined myself with you. It always made me... What? Hey, what did I say? Look, I can't keep my eyes down the whole time. I'm gonna bump into something. I don't. But I told you not to talk to me. What are you? Wait. You two work together. So that's a clip of Solo, a Star Wars story. It's out in cinemas now, and I'm joined now by Bill. Always shoots first. Taylor, hello to you, Bill. Hi. We've had you on the podcast a couple of times. We've we've had you on at Christmas talking about Last Jedi. You're literally just out of your second viewing of seeing Solo, a Star Wars story. Yes. So, before we get into kind of the nitty gritty, discussing the critical reaction and discussing the kind of the lackluster box office reaction, set us up. Tell us a wee bit about Solo, a Star Wars story. Okay. Well, the film is. They say it's an origin story. It's. I wouldn't really say it's an origin story, but it's a. It's it's a young Han Solo. We see some adventures of the young Han Solo. That's essentially the film in a nutshell. That's it. We've both seen this. You've you've went to see this again. I've yeah, on, yeah. I've only seen it the once. I have to admit, I came out of it slightly underwhelmed. Not in the film itself. I think it's a well-made summer blockbuster. The performances are all great. I think Alden Ehrenreich, I think, is a great solo. And I think that was, for me, one of the big problems with solo. I could never envision somebody else behind the wheel on the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. Now I can. Mm-hmm. But I'm still slightly underwhelmed, but I'm going to come back to that in a minute. I'm going to park that. Okay. So this is your chance. What did you think of Solo, A Star Wars Story? Um, I really liked it. Um, again, I, th- I, th- I think it's interesting that we get these anthology films, and essentially what they do is they, they enlarge, for, well, for me anyway, they enlarge my understanding of the Star Wars galaxy. It's not a universe, it's a galaxy. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, the clue was there. So, you know, you're seeing all these other diverse planets, you're seeing in this, what really gets me is you're seeing different, uh, again, seeing different stormtroopers, seeing different aspects of the Imperial Navy. Um, blows my mind every time I see a new uniform. It's like, oh, that's brilliant. I love the aesthetics of that and and things, all the different uniforms and, and stuff. But I suppose... One side of it we haven't really seen a lot of is the the crime and and villainy and the skullduggery side of the universe. I mean, it's alluded to, you know, the rebellion use a lot of the stuff in, 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 I suppose, in the first films and stuff. And, you know, you see Han Solo and Chewbacca and and Moss Eisley and stuff. It's a, a hive of scum and villainy. But we've never really delved into that universe see what the dirty dealings are and things like that and I, th- I thought it was fantastic and you're seeing all these all these different interactions and different characters all these new things to toy with which is brilliant all those things you've said I take on board but yeah. I, I want you've, men- you've just mentioned it there right Star Wars is a galaxy but mm-hmm. yet we seem to be 
fixated on these the small array of characters. Yes. Like it's one of the things we're already like what two minutes into this podcast we're we're going off tangent. It's one of the things I I was worried about with Last Jedi, and there might be potential spoilers, listeners, if you haven't seen Last Jedi at this point. But this whole thing about Ray's lineage and everyone, oh, it has to be a Skywalker, it has to be this, that, and then you're like, well. Does it really? You know, the galaxy is a big, big place, but yet we have this this small pool of characters. It's not that big. <laughs> but, I think there's about five families. But well, there's there's there seems to be four families and a black guy. <laughs> if you know you're going by Lando, but look, I I'm out of this. I saw this last week, and I came out of watching Solo Star Wars. As I I come as I alluded to earlier, I said it was a well-made blockbuster, and I think Ron Howard did a good job and I kind of wish Ron Hard had been maybe given a Star Wars project before this because I do think he's a really solid director but I just have a problem with this story and it, it falls into that trope of that so many of the prequels fall into it's we kind of know the how and so much of the Star Wars story is like a main thrust of this is can Han and Chewie and Co do the Kessel Run I think is it, you'll know this straight off is it 12 par 6 can they do it in 12 parsecs? Can they do it in time to get this fuel, this volatile fuel, back before it explodes? Well, I'm not saying, you know, you know if you've seen Star Wars, we know, because it's the big thing Han bums and blows about from day yeah, it's one. that's what he's known for. So there was like a case, well, I know they're going to do that. I know that it's the highs. They haven't made it interesting. Now, coming back to Rogue One, Rogue One, to an extent, had a similar problem. Rogue One is like, well, we know the Rebellion get their hands on the, the Death Star plans. But what you got with Rogue One was a sense of the cost. That this because oh, you got a yeah. sense of the cost. I never really everything that this film wanted to reveal to me, I kind of knew. My other problem is with Amelia Clark, who is a lovely, lovely lady Bill. I I I think she's lovely. But this new love interest for Han, I think it's one of two things. Either are we as viewers ultimately wasting our time because there is a certain princess that Han has to meet is the love of his life, or are we then going to say, well, you know that great love story, that great, you know, I love you, I know, that kind of that relationship that we've seen in the first trilogy, are we then going to say, well, yeah, he liked Leia, but ultimately his one true love was Amelia Clark's character. That this is where I'm kind of maybe you said to me before we started to record, am I nitpicking? But these are little things, you know, am I as a viewer prepared to invest maybe two, three films in a in a solo series, knowing that the potential love interest isn't the, the be all end all to Mr. Solo? And I don't know, but I'll I'll let you interject on that because you're looking at me funny. Yeah. Um I, Oh, don't tell me I've broke you, Bill. <laughs> no, no, you haven't broke me. Um No, but I just want to pick up on something you said there about you know, there's there's no real stakes because we already know the outcome from gossip and stuff like that from the other films. So, you know, we know Han Solo's done the castle run. We know he's going to live. There's no high stakes and, and things like that. But I think we got a hell of a lot more out of it than that. I mean, we're not watch. Ultimately, we don't watch films just to watch characters die. I mean, that's if you want that, you watch Game of Thrones. Um, but... You know, I, I'm not watching. I'm not watching this film because I kind of know the history of Han and Chewie. Because I don't, and nobody can say that they can. Because you know, whatever was is a legend, and this is all new canon now. 
Um, but I, I, I thought the castle run was one of the highlights of the film, and it give us again, it give us a little bit of. Essentially, it's there to show us that that's the moment that Han gets into the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. This is the first time he's touched the controls, and it's like. By, he knows exactly what he's doing, and it's you know it's showing that he is a great pilot. You know it's not a Poe Dameron moment mm. where everybody says, "Hi guys, watching this guy's the great pilot." Look, no, this is no. He's earned the stripes in that moment. He's, he gets in and say, like, "Right, get the Quaxian into the fucking fusion tube, and let's get out of here." You know. Hang on, Han Solo's not from Tyrone. He is. He's 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 from he's from Balamonic. Um I don't think that's in Tyrone, Bill. No, I, don't I, I don't know where I am. Um, You're in a Tyrone, far it, far away. The the bit that I really really liked about that was we were given characters to sort of invest our our emotion into, and one of the best characters for me in that film was L three. Mm-hmm. That robot is fantastic, and again, it's it's that moment where. They take out the navigation system out of out of L three. Spoiler alert: L three's dead. They take the thing and they take the part, but they put they connect the part to the Falcon, mm. and you see you see all before they turn it round to the wee screen. That part that they're holding before they turn it round, that's in the Falcon mm. that you see in all the other films. That part is there in the background, and what they've done is they've shown and so. L three literally becomes part of the Falcon, and that's why I'm not saying I'm not saying anything against women or feminism or anything like that. But, but there's a reason. Now we have a reason why the Falcon is temperamental. <laughs> but you the know views. they're obviously alluding to that, and you know it's to me that was nice because again we we did invest emotionally into that character. That character was a great character. Um, I was I was sorry to see her go. To be absolutely fun. And when I heard that your woman Phoebe Waller Bridge was gonna be in this film, I, I said, "Look, no, no offense, but I don't fucking like that woman at all. Um, I don't think she's funny. I don't think she's anything. See, after watching Star Wars, I'm gonna be watching everything she's ever done. That's no word of a lie. Do watch Fleabag. See, I haven't watched. I wouldn't have watched it, but now because of Solo, I'm gonna watch that. Do watch Fleabag. The only thing I have, I mean, I agree with you. She is one of the strong characters, and I love that relationship with Lando. And I mean, yeah. we haven't really talked about. It's Don. a bit ambiguous that relationship, yeah. isn't it? And it's like, oh, he loves me. It's like he loves me. He wants, you know, he, it's, but it's not human and robot relations. They're not, they're frowned upon. But I it's did, possible. That's what she says. <laughs> I I did think though, Bill, if I'm honest, yeah, I felt her character again was a little bit of. It's something that we've now become to ex- come to expect. A wise dragon droid. Yeah, when we yeah. we had that that great robot, who's the name you'll know this straight away. The name of the robot in uh, Rogue One. K two S O. I knew Bill would know that off the top of his head. I mean, he was a great character. We've had uh, BB eight. We've had R two D two. We have those kind of those feisty robots, and it just felt for me a little bit like as as much as I liked her character, I find my true calling rebellion, and yeah. I, I love that little. Bit. I like yeah. that as well. But I still felt it was back of me going. That was a writer just kind of. A little bit of fan service, a bit of tokenism to to the Star Wars fans. Well, we, it's a Star Wars that, film. Though? Why would you, why would you say that? I mean, say I, I'm going to challenge you on everything you're saying as a critique on this. Of course, it's fan service. It's a Star Wars film. It's it's what we kind of expect. I mean, you have to remember, Jim. We're sitting here in a car in Dundonald and and quite hot in, hot in hot heat talking about a kids' film. We're you know this is not films for. 
grown men, although it's grown men that ultimately love it, mm. and it's things like that that we love it for. I mean, yeah, it's got a wisecracking robot. That's what I want. I want to see that in the Star Wars film. If it's not a wisecracking robot, I'm not interested. You know, it, it's those kinds of... It's it's exactly for those tropes and things that we love the Star Wars films. I mean, well, I, you know, I, I don't like the sequels as much as I like the prequels, and I'm certainly loving the anthologies. Absolutely. I mean, Rogue One headed out of the park. Solo is not that far behind for me. It's got everything. They're name-dropping stuff. You're seeing stuff that you're familiar with. You know, you've got characters that you like. There's new characters coming in. There's Again, there's new stormtroopers, and we're seeing exactly what is happening in this galaxy with the Empire running it and things. <sighs> Fantastic. What, what more do you need? Do you not think, though, then, there's a certain sense... And I'm trying to think of the word. I know the word I mean in my head. This expectancy of fans that whenever we get what we want, it, we, we lap it up. But when someone does, like, say with Last Jedi, I know a film, I was surprised you liked as much as you did because you didn't like... I didn't like Force You Awakens, didn't like Force Awakens. But The Last Jedi was one that took all fans' expectations, you know, the stuff I was talking about with Ray, and just more or less said, we're not interested in that. We want to go yeah. off and do something different. And I like that. I liked as something who said... I think I said at the time, I maybe said it to you, um, as someone who's 35, okay, granted, still with the mental age of 16, but 35, I wanted a Star Wars film for me now as a 35-year-old, not for me as a 16-year-old. They are two different things. And that's why I like Last Jedi, because The Last Jedi was like, well, there's more to just the, the light side and the dark side. It's that murky area mm-hmm. in between. But as I come back, to it's that kind of, that sense of entitlement. That's the word I'm looking to for fans that you know we we want what we expect we we want you know this kind of this form like we talk about with marvel films a rhythm a formula and when someone tries to do something different with that we go oh no hang on a minute that's not what we want we want we want to feel safe we want this to feel like star wars Mm. and i know what you mean i it's not that i don't have i don't have a problem with the fact that there's a feisty robot in this film. I actually quite like about Solo, there's very little bar, I'll give a spoiler warning, you know, and we'll talk about it later if you want. There's very little Jedi. And as well, I know you will say there's very little Jedi. There, yeah. There's no Jedi, but <clears throat> there's no lightsabers. Very little. Well, I think there's one kind of little lightsaber. But it's kind of moved away from the Skywalker yeah. kind of saga, which is good. But I just come, I come back to that point. There is a good film I think that could be made a better film than Solo a Star Wars story that could be made with the character of Han Solo that doesn't it doesn't tell us stuff that we need to know like there's a there's it's we see at the very start of the film we see his kind of his kind of like a street rat kind of in uh, Corellia I think if I'm getting that right yeah. wrong. I know you will correct me no it's Corellia and then you kind of there's a great sequence at the start and then you have this jump forward to three years mm-hmm. and you kind of go Surely you could have told an interest if you're going to do like a three-part series, you could have done much, much more on Corellia with that character and tell us stuff that we don't know, tell us stuff that we we don't know that we, Han hasn't bragged about, and done it. I think uh, yes, I know what you say about I don't watch films to watch people die, but you want to have a sense that the, the people around him, the risk, the concern, and there was just but he grows, he does. He- 
he grows as a character in that film. He's but, not just the, you know, he's not just the street punk that, you know, we first encounter. He's, he's absolutely full of arrogance. He's full of chat and all that sort of stuff. But later on, he actually backs it all up. And not only that, but he actually learns the most important lesson. Shoot first. I knew you would bring that up. Yeah. But I always get a sense that he was a scoundrel. But th- there is this idea, and it's Amelia Clark's character brings up, you know, you're one of the good guys. Mm-hmm. He, he's a scoundrel with a heart of gold. And we always kind of got that. Yeah. Coming back to that relationship with Amelia Clark, I mean, she she's great on Game of Thrones. I don't think on the big screen she's had the best of outings. This I character, agree. I just don't know how to feel about it. And it's that thing I came back to. I said... Am I investing in you in a relationship that's ultimately going nowhere? Am I, you know, investing in, like, to, to, to kind of something you mentioned just before we started to record, like, a Bond girl? Like, is she the equivalent of a Bond girl who will see her in this film and never see her, see her or hear of her again? Or are they, if they're going to do, we don't know because of the box office results, are we going to see this character reappear and maybe be built up as being, well, the... The one that got away and ultimately... No, I think she's going to be built up as the antagonist, um, ultimately. Um, and I think the reason why you're, you don't see her in anything else is because I think ultimately Han's going to have to kill her. I, oh, that's my feeling. She's going to be the... Uh, she is going to be the, uh, the, the sort of villain, our hero, at some point in these new films. If they get made... Well, I want to come back to box office real, but but this is the point. I mean, spoiler: if you haven't seen Solo, a Star Wars star, I will be much more courteous than 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 you were, Mister Taylor, just blurting it out. But <laughs> spoiler: if you haven't listened, don't listen any. If you haven't seen Solo, don't listen any further. But we do see a character from the original prequel series, which yes. I know you're a fan of. I know yeah. you're you are yeah, yeah. a fan of the prequels. You're yeah, one of the yeah. few people I know that will defend the prequels. Yeah. But we see the reappearance of, well, I called him Darth Maul. You were very keen to correct me that it isn't Darth Maul. It is, in fact, Maul. No, he's not a Darth anymore. Sure, he's, he he doesn't be, you know, he gets chopped in half. And uh, Darth Sidious then becomes the apprentice. Oh, hold on. No, There's too many of them. No, it's Count Darth. Dooku. Uh, it's Count Dooku. I never thought on a podcast about Star Wars I would it's be correct in you, Bill. Um, yeah, it's Count Dooku becomes the apprentice of Darth Sidious. So um, he becomes Darth Tyrannus. So he replaces Maul in Attack of the Clones. So Maul, he, he's just Maul. He's not part of the Sith anymore. He's Although like he's still a fortune. It's like you're making it out like he's went through his emo phase and come out the other side. Well, he did get cut in half, Jim. Mm. <laughs> I'll put anybody in a bad mood. <laughs> but, but for you as someone who is... I mean, I would call myself a Star Wars fan. I do... I, don't, I know we're in the car in close proximity. I am more of a Star Trek fan than Star Wars. I love them both. I'm one of those few people... It seems like you can't love both. You I, live your life whatever way you want, Jim. I, I, love, I love them both. But for someone coming back to you is much more of a fan than me how did you find that that reappearance of that character I mean I was familiar with this crime syndicate from watching the TV series I knew that he's involved with that so I wasn't surprised to see him well I wasn't surprised that he's that he's in there I was maybe surprised to see him appearing within this and to 
getting the reaction that it, it did get a reaction to so many of the cinema goers I was in with anyway yeah I I thought it was really really good I wasn't expecting that to be honest I kind of knew that there was somebody pulling the strings my suspicion was it was going to be Jabba the Hutt mm. that's ultimately what I thought um, because I hadn't heard of uh, Crimson Dawn before I think Crimson Dawn was probably invented for Solo but uh, some of the other crime empires I've, I've heard of the Huts and there's a few other ones um, that I can't remember off the top of my head but that was a big surprise to me that they bought him in. Now I kind of, I kind of knew anyway from Rebels and Clone Wars that Maul was still alive, and that's what he was doing. He was building up a crime empire essentially. Um, so it, it made sense to me that he was there, and I loved the fact that he's had the metal legs. Mm. <laughs> that's what you get. That's what you get, son. Don't mess with Skywalker. It wasn't Skywalker. It was. Uh, well, it was a Skywalker. No, it wasn't. It was a Kenobi. But he's getting his own film anyway. Well, well, this then brings... You're kind of preempting me, Bill, because this is at box office level. I think critics have been largely positive towards this film. Critics and, have, yes. Yeah, critics have. Yes. But before we get to box office, I know critics have been largely positive about this, but there is... I get a sense as well with today's digital era, we know too much about films. So we know that I think... This is yet another Star Wars film that has had a problem production. You know, Gareth Edwards had problems with Rogue One. He was kind of taken out and somebody else came in to finish it. We've seen Colin Trevorrow has been dropped from the last of Josh the... Josh Trank as yes, well. Yeah. We've, we've seen those people being chopped and changed. Yeah. So this was one. We had Phil Lord and Christopher Miller coming in. Yeah. Lego movie from the Jump Street fame. From watching that film, I can see as clear as day as to why they wouldn't fit the bill for that film I can see that maybe Disney aren't with the Star Wars product at a level where they're ready to do with the Marvel product take yeah. risks change tone I think they they're, they're clearly with that like that Marvel we have a formula we have a tone a visual style we mm. want directors to, to, to copy that and, mm. and be in keeping with the original tone of the, of the not the prequels but the original trilogy I can see, like, there's maybe one scene, which I, I have to admit, I don't know if it worked for me. It's the scene where we first see Chewie and, and Han together, and that is one of the strong points of this film. Their their relationship is great. This friendship that's actually growing and comes yeah. quite close by the end of the film, but we see very early on. It's not really a spoiler. Chewie's imprisoned, and then we see that Han can talk wiki, and it feels to me like a, like something that uh, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller would do. That kind of we have we have Han going and it's subtitled. It's then dropped throughout the rest of the film. Yeah. Which makes me wonder, like Ron Hard came in and the thing did read it eighty percent of yeah, this he, film. He did quite a lot of it, yeah. So I think there's two things here I wanna ask you. Mm-hmm. You know, Ron Hard, I've said I think he did a good job. Whilst I have problems, I think he did a good job. To see if you felt the same and can you see why Disney have maybe said, Phil, Christopher, you're not the tone this is not the tone we were looking for. I, wa- I wanted to go for this yeah. not the droids we're looking for kind of metaphor but I can yeah it's not the tone we're looking for um, yeah Ron Hard is a very very good director and and to be honest see when I heard that he was taken over as director I I didn't have any problems or worries because at the end of the day he's one of George's best mates mm-hmm. so it was going to be in good hands um, and 
you know, it, it was um, Lawrence Kasdan and his son did the screenplay. And again, Kasdan knows his stuff. Again, he's one of he's one of George's trusted sort of screenwriters. So, you know, he would have he he would have carried on faithfully whatever George was wanting to to sort of accomplish with going forward how Star Wars was going to be. So, I think you're right in saying that the internet, to some degree, is is at fault here. I think it's. Back in the days, I, I remember when films came out in the video shop, it was the first time you'd ever heard of them. You grabbed the video and you put it in. There wasn't really that word of mouth. It was only in your small thing. Nowadays, as soon as t somebody takes a shit, it's on the internet and, you know, it's it's there for everybody to smell, essentially. And, you know, that's that's the metaphor. That's that's the metaphor I'm going to use. I choose to use that. Um, I, I think ultimately... You know, it, with the internet and stuff, it takes away a lot of the, um, it takes away a lot of the mystery of films, mm. which is bad. I mean, every single, as a filmmaker myself, every single film that gets made goes through issues. Mm. There's always issues, and you know, you you persevere and you get the thing done with the people and the resources you've got around you. Um, so I don't know why this was so heavily publicized mm. i think there's a lot of people there was i think there is honestly a lot of people that want to see this film bomb for whatever reason whether there's a lot of butthurt over last jedi or whatever i don't know um but ultimately i don't know what went on behind the scenes with them two fellas um i personally like that scene that you're talking about mm. with with han and Chewie. i thought that was brilliant that's what to me what strikes me about that scene is it's when he's when when Chewie's pushing him into the mud, the facial the facial reactions on on Han Solo it, it honestly looks as if it's Harrison Ford there. Mm -hmm. Your man's your man's got the mannerisms down like a T. He's not doing a caricature caricature performance. He's not doing an impersonation, but you know he's he's got the facial ticks and everything right down. And the swagger and everything. I mean, that guy is Han Solo. And I, there's a couple of times in the film that you forget that this isn't Harrison Ford. And that's, you know, I, th I think that's an important part to point to make as well. But ultimately, I don't know why those two guys got let off. People get let off in films all the time. But Ron Howard did a fantastic job. And I'm pretty sure, you know, once the dust settles on this, we're going to find out why them two fellas got fired. I think from, from again, from what you learn from the internet or whether it's true or not I think it was that improv style that they do they're not people that follow the script they're not people that say well we'll try this again do what you want give you much more freedom as an actor and I think from from what you read Kathleen Kennedy was like no this the script is here there's a formula this is what we want and, and I can completely get that because I think the thing about Solo Star Wars story, it actually started out as a George Lucas project I think back in 2012 he was it was one of the few I don't know whether he was involved with Rogue One but I know that that idea for a spin-off for Solo was something he was pursuing, and then we had the Disney kind of the buyout, and then Disney have done what they have done. Yeah. But I think it's what is nice from from this interview with Ron Howard because he is a friend of George Lucas, was actually having George Lucas on set. And I don't know again, I I don't know here. This is not me making wild sweeping statements. I don't know if he's been someone that's been welcomed into with opened arms with the like the new 
episodes. I don't know if he was on set for Rogue One, but I know Ron Howard said, look, I, I wanted to have him on set because Han Solo was his creation, yeah. and they, they brought him on to just to, to see on set and I, I think that was a nice touch and absolutely yeah it's I nice. we, we've kind of I know we've uh, there is things I want to and I want to wrap up as well Bill but there is things that we haven't really mentioned Donald Glover's turn as Lando which I think is another one of the film's highlights oh which, yeah which I think Lando's great which I think for me it's all all the ingredients are there here's one of my like a bit laboured analogies the ingredients are all there for something amazing and I think what I got and from what I watched, it was just a little stodgy. But Lando, we've mentioned, you know, the relationship with Chewie and Han. We've mentioned uh, Alden Ehrenreich. I think he is a really good positive. But Lando, like based on the, the screen time that he has, and it's only limited screen time, yeah. there is already talk of a spin-off for Lando. Yeah. And Lando's another character, whilst I don't necessarily whilst I don't necessarily think everybody in Star Wars needs to have their own spin-off. He's a character we haven't seen that much of, so you can do a lot more with his character than, say, Solo. Yeah, I would love to see. Um, would love to see his own film. Um, he was fantastic. As soon as you hear the voice, it's like, oh my god, that sounds like Billy D. Williams. Um, again, it's not really an impersonation he's doing. It's it's very good homage, and I love the fact that he's got all these capes and. Whenever, whenever your woman's putting the fire out with a cape, it's like, no, no, that's a designer one, don't you, that? Um, love that, you know, he's, he's flash, he's vain, he's, you know, he's charming, he's smooth. Um, yeah, he's great. And it, you can see that him and, him and Han are going to become really, really good friends. And I, I, I don't, I honestly don't think that, you know, they wouldn't have seen each other between the end of this film and Empire Strikes Back. I think we're going to see a lot more of them guys, and I want to see that. And one other point I would make is I thought Woody Harrelson was fantastic, absolutely brilliant, as the the sort of tutor of um, Han Solo. Great character. Um, Paul Bettany, great character, underused. Should have had him in more, I think. Loved the Dryden Voss. Very, very good, sort of angry man, sort of calm, sophisticated guy. But I, I will say, Tandy Newton's character was wasted. Yeah, I think with Paul Bettany's character, I think there's probably a sense that he's just someone that's in the way of, the, you know, the, the central uh, yeah. antagonist. Yeah. And I think giving him limited screen time, because I don't think there's much point in investing so much time with him, yeah. and then say pull the, the the rug out from underneath you and say, well, actually, it's Maul well, or it's Amelia Clark's part, character. Part of that was because uh, wasn't it Michael Michael C. Williams or something wasn't able to do the research, mm. so that's why he sort of got let go of the project and Paul Bettany stepped in because uh, it was just a minimal minimal role, but you know it wasn't wasn't racism or anything why he was let off you know yeah. but uh, you know he would have played it well as well I would, would have loved to see his version of it which we've talked a lot about you know the film itself the reaction as I said critics have been largely positive mm-hmm. Star Wars fans like people like yourself have seemed to have been quite positive about the film I think there has been some like with everything that have oh this is a bit meh I'm, I'm one of those people I'm the person that says I but think I know why it's a bit mad, but I know why. Which I'll come to. Mm-hmm. But why do you think 
at the box office. Like Star Wars should be a license to print money. Mm-hmm. Why do you think? So, do you think we're just not at that level yet? Like say with Marvel, where Marvel could do a film. Marvel could probably do a film. Well, they do, but every three four months, and they they don't break box office records, but they make they make their money back, no problem. This film, I think, struggling at the minute. It'll make its money back, but it's struggling. It, it needs to make, you know, I think it's like nearly a billion to be, you know, seen in the in the green to have made money by the time you add on market and stuff and the reshoot the reshoot costs. Why do you think it has proven to be such a lackluster response at the box office? Do you think it's just a case of it's five months after Last Jedi? No, possibly. I know a lot of people are blaming it on that, but I don't think it's just that. I think there's other factors that need to be considered here. Um, one of them is, um, I think, the negative publicity that's just been ongoing and ongoing ever since this film was announced, essentially. It certainly hasn't helped. I mean, they say there's no such thing as bad publicity. Well, you know, you just have to go onto your social media account and see people are taking photos of empty screenings. Mm. You know, they're the only people in it. And, and things out. Even the screen and I was at this this afternoon. There was four of us in it. It is a very sunny day, though, Bill. But the, I was about to move on and say yes. I think the scheduling for this film, whoever scheduled this film for May, a, a month after Avengers: Infinity War, and a week before Deadpool two, should be taken out and shot because that is bad scheduling. And even for, I, I honestly don't think they should have released this film any other time than Christmas. We shouldn't be sitting here talking about this now. We should be sitting talking about this six months time in, you know, in November, December. It should be out. It should have been out at Christmas. And I think releasing it sort of high the summer with the freak great weather, people don't want to go to the cinema. But, I think that's another but issue. But Phil, this is Star Wars. Star Wars, yeah. Star Wars shouldn't be, oh, Marvel. Star Wars shouldn't be worried about Deadpool 2. It shouldn't be worried about uh, the Infinity War. I'm I know not it saying it should be worried. Um, it's not, but from realistic terms, you know, it's nowadays it's not cheap to go to the cinema. Oh, yeah, you totally have to agree. take that into account as well. Um, and now we're coming into the time when you've got young kids and, and stuff. Um, I don't know what it's like over in England, but certainly over here, You've got kids of this age preparing to do their their GL and AQE things like that. So the parents are preparing essentially for all all the educational stuff for their kid. They're not even thinking about taking the child to cinema. Um, and if you are taking your child to cinema, you would have already taken them to Avengers because that's the film everybody would have wanted to see. So you know, I, I think there's a lot of intertwining factors here that need to be considered. And uh, but I, I definitely think scheduling is the the big one I don't think I don't think it should have been out end of May I think the marketing from what I remember because the only time I remember starting to see trailers for this was the Super Bowl yes so it's one of those things you would expect to March, see yeah you would expect to see the marketing campaign you know at, at Last Jedi time that was the first of, time we got a trailer though to, it was March yeah that's my point it's like it just seems that it was such a kind of it was a rush job lazy kind of yeah. marketing job yes now I've mentioned Last Jedi one of the things that did irk me in this film, and it was made me think that this is a cynical Disney film. In The Last Jedi, spoiler again, spoiler warning if you haven't seen it, there is reference to Hans Dice that have always been there from minute one in A New Hope. They were never really a plot point. No. They became a plot point in Last Jedi, 
and then it was just this kind of instant like within like first five minutes of looking at solo a star wars story it's like oh well here's the dice the dice are so important and it just felt to me i know you said when we talked about this before the recording you said no 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 no. the dice are important there is a significance to him but for me from just a visual cinematic point of view it just felt like such a labor i called it a, a callback it's actually as you said a, a call forward and i just thought it was so cynical yes it was cynical that they used that in last jedi i totally agree with you <laughs> the dice actually make more sense in solo than what they do in last jedi i don't know why I honestly don't know why they used it in Last Jedi. Because it's not... It wouldn't be the first thing I would have remembered Han Solo for. Mm. You know, it, it would have been... It would have been the blaster, or it would have been the vest, or it would have been the jacket, or something like that. It wouldn't have been... It wouldn't have been the dice. The dice, I would associate with the Falcon. That's Han and Chewie. That's mm. not... So, for them to use it in Last Jedi, I think, was the big mistake. I wouldn't have used it in Last Jedi. But definitely, yes, it made absolute sense to show in um, in uh, Solo. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you what the dice are. The dice are actually of a version of the game of Sabak that they play. There's some versions of the game where you play with dice as well as the cards. And that, to me, that was like, right, so he's actually an expert gambler here. He's Those are the dice that's maybe got him elevated in, in his status somewhere on, on Corellia. And those are the dice he's had gilded in gold. And, you know, that just goes to show, yes, he can actually hold his own. He's a great gambler. Okay, well, look, as I say, you're more versed in Star Wars than me, although I did have to rectify your kind of Darth's insidious kind uh, of uh, apprentices. Well, like but, but say no more. Look, we're nearly out of time. The last thing I'm going to ask you, whilst the box office revenue hasn't been there, so we can get a sense. We kind of get a sense now that the these kind of a Star Wars stories might be in jeopardy. I know there's a Boba Fett one talked. I know there's an Obi Wan one being talked about. I actually would like to see the Boba Fett and the Solo stuff kind of merge in. I but almost thought I kind of thought maybe do we get a glimpse of Fett? I don't know. I need on to go back. Planet? I need to maybe go back and rewatch it. But whenever they meet Lando at the, I think, is he in the background there? Well, it's definitely a Mandalorian anyway. And I know Dryden Voss has um, Mandalorian army armor, and his you see it all the time in his room. But do you get a sense? Like, I mean, are you as you sit here now, Bill, in a hot car, looking quite sweaty? No. Are you? still as excited about the thought of the future of this new potential solo series and are you still excited about more a star wars stories spin-offs that take away from the skywalker saga yes yes to both i want more i actually want more solo films i think uh, han solo films not solo spin-off films although i don't know how you would word that um but yes, if there's any sequels to Solo, I will be there. Absolutely. I'll be there with bells on. Not literally. But yes. And, and the anthologies. I said it before and I'll say it again. I honestly think that's where the future of the Star Wars stories are. There's an absolute wealth of characters. There's wealth of locations. There's so much out there. And there's so many different types of stories that we could actually see. As someone, Bill, who was a fan of the the original films 
I know you're a fan of the prequels. You seem to be the only person that's a fan of the prequels. No, no, there's but a couple do you, of us. Do you think it's given Star Wars fans maybe the prequels they maybe wanted? I think there's that sense that this is what these a Star Wars story seemed to be. They all seem to be versed in the original trilogy, and they're all kind of like, well, Rogue One. That's, that's ultimately the uni- the universe, the galaxy that we want to see more of. Because we've only remember we've only seen snapshots of this through you know, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. There's a whole plethora of stuff there that they they could cover, and and I think they should. But I know what you mean. There's you know, put it like this: if there's more Star Wars, I'm up for it. Absolutely, keep J.J. Abrams away from it, though. Honestly, keep that fella away from Star Wars. Let him play and ruin something else. Keep him away from Star Wars. Isn't he doing episode nine? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a train wreck. Absolute train wreck. Because I, th- I honestly think Last Jedi was like Rian Johnson's two fingers up the. That JJ said, "See all those plot points that you plotted? No, I'm shitting on them. It's a rubbish." And now, I, now he's got his reins back. Everything Rian Johnson did is going to be erased and stuff. Well, we shall have to wait and see, Bill. Thank you very much for your time. You are welcome. I like that. Like that was said with gusto. Uh, solo Star Wars Story is still out in cinemas now. You can read our review on the website by Joe McElroy, and uh, we'll be back soon with another podcast. But for now, until then, goodbye. Thank you.